The Chris Sheeran Show, only on YesNetwork.com. Welcome, one and all, boys and girls, gentlemen, ladies, to another brand new edition of The Chris Sheeran Show here on the YesNetwork.com and also on the iTunes, which you could subscribe to, Lou, for... Free, free ninety nine. That's right, Lou DePietro, Chris Sheeran, back for another week. Uh, I'm glad we got the seal of approval from Doug Williams. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we met his standards. Uh, we were taking over, merging both podcasts. Uh, <clears throat> our, our buddy boy over there at SNY is uh, doing a bang up job on Sports Night, <clears throat> and uh, we uh, we wish him again nothing but the best. But I just had to throw that out there at the top. Because if he does listen, he'll probably listen to the first three minutes and then punch out now. Yeah, he's and, you know he's and, done with us. Yeah, he'll hear his name really quick. He's got a busy night ahead. I mean, his sister's teeter pan the night on NBC, so it's Thursday as we tape this. So he's got a busy night ahead yeah. of him anyway before that. Christopher Walken and and his brother. Uh, his sister. Christopher Walken as Captain Hook is going to be interesting. See, you, was, Peter I, Pan, I, you and your friend, <laughs> Tinkerbell, where was, are you? I was just thinking about that last night. The uh, The <laughs> only, you know, reason I would maybe check it out, Doug's sister, obviously, mm-hmm. and and Walken. Yeah. I mean, how could you not watch Walken as, as uh, yeah. Captain Hook? How could you not watch Walken as anything? Exactly. Let's, let's be fair. I mean, that's... exactly. All right, let's let's start with football, shall we? Football. After the hijinks and hilarity to begin this, but uh, I, I, we have to. Football's also on tonight. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Bears. Cowboys. Um, depending on when you listen to this, we're not going to talk about it because it's going to be over. Mm-hmm. Uh, but going back to great win by that NFC team. Yeah. <laughs> That's generic enough. Yeah. Back to Monday night. Uh, you know this press conference uh, week for the Jets. They, that's all they talk about now is this um, uh, the Monday night game where they ran for about 130 yeah. times uh, mm-hmm. and they rushed for 277 yards against the Dolphins and still lost 16-13. Yeah. They're good. Um, uh, the Vultures are circling. They want Rex Ryan to say something. Uh, he's not going to say it. Uh, conventional wisdom of Jet fans, our buddy EJ downstairs, seems to think that uh, this was Rex's um, hidey ho to silent John protest, yes. if you will. Yeah, <laughs> uh, to John Idzik saying, "I don't want to start this guy, but since I have to, he's going to throw the ball 13 times, and, and I'm going to rush it about 80." <laughs> I can picture Rex on the sidelines doing that scene from Major League. He's like, this guy sucks. <laughs> I mean, you know. It's bad. The, the league average last week, and I did this for all you out there. The league average last week for attempts by NFL quarterbacks was 33.75. Geno Smith threw the ball 13 times. 13. I'm pretty sure I've seen guys in the NFL recently throw 13 times on one drive. Yes. In a two-minute drill. Yes. 13 <laughs> times the entire game. Now, here's the other thing that we talked to Jet fans about this past week. I know I have with a couple of my friends, and we had a conversation here at work earlier this week. You might have let your franchise quarterback go. <laughs> I mean, Mark, we'll take him. Mark Sanchez, who is now quarterbacking the Philadelphia Eagles and my partner in crime's favorite team, um, five games, four starts. He's three and one. He's got a career best completion percentage over those five games, 63.4%. Now, eight TDs, six INTs. He's still throwing six picks. Mm-hmm. It's not like Mark Sanchez has, has gone out there and he's Aaron Rodgers. 
Drew Brees in his prime, Tom Brady. Yep. But he's managing the game. He's he's had solid games, with, with the exception of the Green Bay game where Philadelphia just yeah. got throttled. Cody Parkey was their only good player yeah, in that game. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. But you look at 280.8 career best yards per game. You know, we, we talked about this earlier this week, and I, and I want to throw it back out there. It, it seems to me, you know, with Schottenheimer as the offensive coordinator for the Jets back then and 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 Sanchez is a rookie, and then in his second year in those two AFC Championship games, I looked at the numbers. They didn't necessarily handcuff him. He did throw for close to 300 yards in both of those championship games. And he did attempt, I think, over 30 passes in each of those games. But it felt like, to me at least, in that Indianapolis AFC Championship game, his rookie year, in that second half, they had Peyton Manning. And the Indianapolis Colts in their building down seventeen thirteen. That and it just seemed like to me, Schottenheimer and Rex Ryan were so scared to put the ball. They had such a great defense. They were so scared to put the ball, put the game in Sanchez's <clears> hands <throat> that they did handcuff him a little bit. In that More game. afraid that he would make a mistake than anything else. Right, I guess. Right. You know. Yeah. I mean. The other school of thought on that is they had such a great defense that the less time you put the ball in Peyton Manning's hands, the less chance he has to be Peyton Manning even against a great defense. So you can look at either side of the coin there. But, uh, you know, you can look at any stat and, and say, you know, you said Sanchez has six picks this year. He threw, what, three of them in the in the Green Bay game, and they were just horrendous. Right. So outside of that, again, it's, you know, that that's the one bad outing that's that's marring the numbers. But on the other hand... He's thrown five of his eight touchdown passes to Jordan Matthews, who was his scout team number one receiver. I mean, he's anytime Very comfortable. Anytime the backup quarterback comes in for an extended period of time, pick up <laughs> like the number three receiver on that team in fantasy because they're usually going to explode because yeah. that's who that's who you have chemistry with. You throw the ball to him. Let me ask you this: gut feeling. Um, do you think Nick Foles comes back and gets the starting job again? No. You think Sanchez? This is his team. I think. At this point, you look at the standings in the NFC, and you look at how the two teams ahead of the Eagles in the pecking order are two teams they've lost to. So you need losses by them. They're, they win the division. They're not going to be anything lower than the three seed because I think they've already clinched the three seed based on – And the NFC you know, South is yeah. horrid, as we talked about <laughs> yeah. earlier. Um, it's, a, it's a rhythm offense. It's a tempo offense. Nick Foles did not look – now, these numbers are, are Nick Foles-like. He had a lot of interceptions in the first – Eight right. and a half games, too. Or seven and a half games. Um, why change it in the middle? I mean, the Sanchez move was out of necessity. Why change it back in the middle when it's rolling along just as well? Yeah, and I, I said this to you earlier this week as well, and, I'll, and I'm not afraid to say it here. And Jet fans, this is not directed at you. This venom is not directed at you. Even though you wanted Sanchez out of here, especially after the butt fumble, this is not necessarily directed at you. They this, played that on Thanksgiving Day multiple times, too, which was great. <laughs> this, this is great. Thanks. Thanks this, for that, Fox. This is directed at the Jets' hierarchy in the front office. You know, you try to compete with your roommates. You, you, you can't. Right now, you just you can't. They have too much on the resume that trumps whatever you've done in the existence of your franchise. You try to grab headlines. You try to grab the back page. You brought in Tim Tebow, which had to make Mark Sanchez feel like, uh, 
what's going on here? Yeah. You know, why are you signing him? I thought I was your guy. So you put that into the equation. Mark Sanchez went to Philadelphia, and it was probably like someone was holding him underwater in New York, and Philadelphia was a breath of fresh air for him. But I really hope, and this goes against everything <laughs> as a Giant fan, <laughs> but I- I'm rooting for Mark Sanchez. Me too. I'm, I'm, I know you are. <laughs> I'm rooting for him to succeed. I really am because I, I know that will make Woody Johnson squirm. I know that Rex Ryan won't care because he's not going to be the coach of the Jets after this year. Let's be honest. And that will make John Idzik squirm whether he has <laughs> the job or not yep. at, come the end of this year because he's the one who helped run Sanchez the hell out of here and he wanted Geno Smith under center. And we all know how well that has played out. So I, I am – Look, do I want the Eagles to win a Super Bowl? No. <laughs> I'll go I'm not gonna no. I'm not going nuts, Giant fans. So, you know, cool your jets. It's not like I've two uh, Giants Patriots Super Bowls, I was rooting for a tie. And that's uh, impossible. Well, there so. you go. Yeah. But that's not where I'm I'm just rooting for the guy to have success. I, I just want someone who, you know, was in the New York area, was told that uh, you know, under no certain circumstances that he could not succeed in the league uh, because he couldn't succeed here. And guess what? He is. So that's why I'm rooting for him. You to know, me, he's that underdog story, and I like those underdogs. Yeah, you know, stories. every team makes bad personnel decisions now and again. Uh, I mean, the Eagles once had But Chris this Carter. was at such a intensely right. high level. Right. That's, that's where I was going. I mean, the Eagles once had Chris Carter, who is a All Hall he does of, is score touchdowns. Yeah, he's a Hall of Famer, and, you know, the Eagles – Spent years with (laughs) Calvin Williams and Fred Barnett and Freddie Jackson and uh, you know nameless the nameless rabble of garbage that Donovan McNabb worked with. Look like Freddie Jackson, (laughs) Jack Jackson, all the Jacksons, every Jackson. (laughs) Tito Jackson was out there. You know they they had the point is they had a lot of crap at the wide receiver position for a long time while Chris Carter was building a Hall of Fame career playing alongside Anthony Carter and Randy Moss and eventually Dante Culpepper at the end of his career and Randall Cunningham too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, every team makes bad personnel decisions like that. But Chris Carter wasn't the guy that they, the Eagles traded up to the number five pick to get exactly. and then ran out of town four years later. Exactly. So maybe this will be the one that makes Woody and Idzik and Rex, if he's still got a job on December 29th, look around and go, maybe, maybe it's us. I doubt it because that's not the way it works, but no. you never know. Well, as far as their roommates are concerned, a lot of questions circulating with the New York football giants. And these questions have been going on this entire season. So I'm just going to go through my little breakdown here, and then Lou will chime in as well. But there's a lot of guys um, specifically in this organization that fans and talking heads alike, are they're talking about their futures. First and foremost, obviously, Tom Coughlin, Eli Manning, Perry Fuel, Ben McAdoo, Jerry Reese. All right, here's my spiel really quick, and then I'll let Lou chime in. Tom Coughlin. I would keep Tom Coughlin, okay? 11 years. He's got 11 years in with the Giants. He's had three losing seasons. Now, he's got two Super Bowls and five playoff appearances. Like Michael Kay always says, it's the fallacy of the predetermined outcome, Okay. But the team started 11-1 and in 2008. Plaxico Burr shoots himself in the foot. They end up 12-4 and and get bounced by the Eagles in the first round of the playoffs at MetLife Stadium. 
What? I'm pantomiming Donovan McNabb oh. picking up the phone. Oh, for you. I got you. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, thank you very much. Sorry. I completely forgot that happened, but now I have that mental image in my head. So thank you very much. Anyway, um, you can't just sit here and say if Plex didn't shoot himself that they would have went to the Super Bowl. You can't. But multiple Giants players on that team, including Antonio Pierce, said that was the best team they've ever played on. So there could have been a third Super Bowl. That would have matched Bill Belichick's Super Bowl total at New England. Now, Belichick, I think, had one losing season in New England. Maybe not even any. I, I'm not really sure of that. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember any. I think they've been 11 if, and five or better every yeah, year. Every year yeah. since he's been 14 years, he's been there. Yeah. Um, I, 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 he's, he's a. I think he's a great coach. Uh, Steve Weatherford, who I follow, we follow each other on Twitter. The Giants punter. He tweeted out something that I favorited. I'll paraphrase it because I don't want to sit here looking through my phone. He just said, "Great mentor, great coach." great motivator. So glad I'm a giant. So glad that Tom Coughlin is my coach. You know, you you see things like that. The guy, to me, he hasn't lost the locker room. And then you have these people talking out of both sides of their mouth saying that the next guy on the list, Eli Manning, if he had a line in front of him, the Giants would be winning and Eli would be more um, successful. Well, if that was happening and the Giants were more successful because Eli was more successful and they were winning, would you, would you, Still fire Tom Coughlin? No. You would bring him back. You wouldn't fire him. So if if the problem is the offensive line and the problem is the defensive line and the problem is you have Mark Herzlick, and no offense, I love the guy. He's a great story. He's a special teams player. Jaquan Williams, I think, they're, they're high on that guy. I think he's a special teams player. You want real talk, you're getting it here. The Giants need linebackers. They need, need, you know, JPP is not the answer. We're seeing that. Matthias Kiwanuka is a ghost. He's nowhere to be seen. You know, they they, they improved on the D-backs. They did. But now the D-line is struggling. Can you imagine if they had any kind of pass rush with that with the defensive backs they have? That defense and, and, and sprinkle in a linebacker or two, that defense would be top three in the NFL. Now, with the personnel you have, if you're going to hold Coughlin accountable, you have to hold Perry Fuel accountable. This was a guy that was being looked at as a head coach. After the Giants won the Super Bowl. And rightfully so, I think. But I think you have to... You always hear that. Add fuel to the fire. Well, you have to add fire to the fuel. Waiting all week to say that. (laughs) Lou knows. Yep. I just think this defense needs to be retooled. It it needs a new vision. It needs a new... uh, Tom Coughlin is a manager. He is not in charge of the offense. That is Ben McAdoo's job. Does Coughlin have input? Probably. But he's not there calling plays. He's not. He is a manager of the team. He is a motivator. I don't think you have to get rid of Tom Coughlin. The guy is an even better man off the field than he is when he's the coach of the Giants. He's got everything. He's exactly what this organization encompasses. You keep Tom Coughlin, you fire Perry Fuel. Jerry Reese, the GM. Has he missed on a couple picks? Yeah. But I don't think you get rid of Reese. 
he hasn't missed on as many picks in his time as GM as John Idzik did this year. Oh, my goodness. So Why does everybody want to get rid of Jerry Reese all of a sudden? And Jerry, we trust, was like the hashtag for Giant fans for three years straight. Now you want to fire him? That's the one thing I hate about New York. And, and my friend Max, who did my radio show down with me in Philadelphia when we were at Rowan, he's a Philly fan like you, uh, which is why I'm not breaking out into hives. I'm kind of used to it. Um, but he would always used to say, you know, in the Philadelphia area or in the New York area, it's so rough to be in sports because <clears throat> someone will take baseball, for instance. Someone hits a three-run homer. Yahoo! He's my favorite player. He'll run out into the field and make an error to cost the team three runs. Cut him! Why is he on this team? Why is he playing third base? But Philly has one of those guys right now. His name is Josh Huff. He's a wide receiver <laughs> on the Eagles who returned a kick 107 yards for a touchdown a See? couple weeks ago. And this yet, is what I'm talking about. Yet before that, everybody wanted him cut because he stinks. <laughs> yeah. See what I'm talking about? Yeah. So there it is in living color right there. Um, it, it's just rough. I, I, I don't see how you fired Jerry Reese. <clears throat> Here's the thing. You keep Reese. The defense needs an overhaul. McAdoo just got here. There's no offensive line. There's an eh running game because there's no offensive line. I think Rashad Jennings is the re- – I think he's legit. I think he's a great running back. He's a better running back than his stats show. We'll, he we'll is. put it that way. He is. You put a line in front of him, and look, I don't mean to sit here. Everybody wants to throw fertilizer on the Giants' offensive line, and and they're bad. I'll be honest. Everybody knows they're bad. It's not the easiest positions to play on a football field. You're in constant hand-to-hand combat the entire game. You're the only guys who are doing that. Receivers can't do that anymore because of all the penalties out there with the D-backs. And the illegal contact and the holding and the this and the that. That's be that, you know, that, Gino throwing 13 times for a callback. You know, the fact that Rex did that, you have to think that that was just a big old you know what to, to it's yeah. But anyway, um, sticking with the Giants, you keep McAdoo because if you help out the offensive line and you help out Jennings, uh, I think everything gets better. I think the offense isn't the problem. I don't think the philosophy is the problem. I think it's the personnel. So I would keep McAdoo, fire fuel. People want to trade Eli. Now, I did a reply all for our good buddies, uh, Kevin Sullivan and Matt Stucco in the YesNetwork.com department. Uh, And I said in that, remember Danny Cannell? Remember Kent Graham? Remember Dave Brown? Who are you bringing here? Was Ryan Nassib going to start? That that's who you want a quarterback. You want to draft Jameis Winston, the guy who last dra- started in the Pinstripe Bowl three years ago. Ryan Nassib, that guy. Who, who who's <clears throat> starting? So then we fix the offensive line. Maybe we get a pass rush and we get a linebacker. Now we don't have a quarterback. And when you cut off the head of the snake and and. The quarterback is the head of the snake on any NFL team. And if you don't believe that, look at the Denver Broncos before Peyton Manning showed up. And look at the Denver Broncos now. If you don't think that the quarterback is the head of the snake and, and that the team lives and dies by the quarterback, you're lost. You're lost. Just hand in your NFL cheering card because you're lost. 
you don't get rid of Eli Manning. And I will guarantee you, guarantee you, that this guy will take less money to stay with the Giants so that this team could fix itself. He will. So I keep Eli. And you know, he's completing a career best 63% of his passes. He's got 22 TDs and 12 interceptions. He had 27 interceptions last year. And he's, he's threw five of them in one game. So all again, his, there yes, you go. All of his numbers are up from last year. And that's with Cruz out since week six. And you want to get rid of this guy? <laughs> and you get, all, you get on him for his ho-hum, you know, I got to hold on to the ball when I get hit attitude. That's Eli. Yeah. That's the same guy who won two Super Bowls. If Nick Foles could learn how to do that, he'd have half the interceptions he's thrown this year. So I, I, I can give you that. Okay. So I wrote down... Some potential coaches, if if you want to. I heard Greg Schiano, <clears throat> Bill Cower, because he did so well in Tampa. Exactly, yeah. it's exactly what I said. Bill Cower, who's fifty eight in May, and for all, he doesn't want to leave. He's got the best gig on the planet. Why would he? Yeah. Why would he leave TV? To, to, to deal with the New York media. <laughs> Same thing with Gruden. Everybody will know John, John Gruden, John Gruden, yeah. John Gruden. Well, yeah. no, he's not going anywhere. Jim Spagnola, I, I could see that. Jim Harbaugh is not coming to the Giants. He's not. If, if there's any place he's going to land, it's Michigan. It's Michigan. It, absolutely. Um, and last but not least, I also have heard Brian Kelly. He's 53. Um, and I got to be honest with you. I mean, and I'm sorry I've rambled and I'm ranting here, but it just – I get so mad. Um, I got to get you in, and I will. <laughs> I'm, wa- I'm waiting I'm for sorry. you to finish, and then I'll rebut. I'm sorry. Uh, Brian Kelly, maybe this is as far as he could take this program at Notre Dame. I mean, maybe he's seeing the, the handwriting on the wall. Since that mm-hmm. national championship se- uh, uh, runner-up season in 2012 when they lost to Alabama 42-14, to he was 12-1 and that season. The whole Manti Teo. Like say, like Manti Teo's girlfriend, it all ended there. It yes. hasn't been, it's been downhill since. Yes, exactly. It, last year he was nine and four. This year he's seven and five. So, and he's one and five in the last six games. They lost to FSU. They they had the game winning touchdown and the mm-hmm. penalty, of course, nullified it. So they lose to FSU and then the rest of the yeah. Season, their only win since is against Navy. Navy, yeah. and, and Navy scored thirty nine points against them. So maybe in the back of his head. He's thinking, maybe this is as far as I could take Notre Dame. I, I, I really hope not. I mean, I love him there, and I kind of have a <clears throat> allegiance to that school. You know, if you're Irish, yeah, yeah. fighting Irish anyway. Um, but throughout his career, Grand Valley State was a perennial Division II power when he was there. He was 118-35-2 with two national titles. He turned Central Michigan around. From 04, when he was 4 and 7 and 5th in the Mid American Conference, he went to 6 and 5 the next year. And then, first, 9 and 4 in 2006, he beat Middle Tennessee in the Motor City Bowl. Then he took Cincinnati to two BCS Bowls, lost them both. Yep. And then he's turned Notre Dame around, 44 and 20 at Notre Dame. So, everywhere the guy goes, he gets the job done. But it's always, you know as well as anybody, it's always dicey. With the exception of Kelly in Philly, it's always dicey when you're bringing somebody from college into the pros. Yeah, you know, there's the old saying that people rise to the level of their incompetence, and maybe Brian Kelly's <laughs> no, maybe Brian Kelly's level of incompetence is a major program. Cincinnati yeah. was in the Big East at that point, right? 
a quasi-major program. They're now, you know, the AAC is now a group of five. Quasi? Quasi-evil. Um, you know, they're a group of five conference now. But, you know, D2 is a different animal. He had success at a, at a Central Michigan Stinks. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a bottom feeder every year. How dare you say such things about the Chippewas? <laughs> Love them Chippewas. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, you know, Cincinnati was, was, was a – the Big East was the number six of the six power conferences and always, always, it was, always, yeah, always has been. Yeah, 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 yeah. So maybe this is the level of his incompetence. When he gets to a program where he's got the luster of Notre Dame that he was recruiting, but he doesn't have the talent to – you know what I mean? Because a lot of those guys in 2012 were not his. Right. So, I mean, you know, it's like that anywhere. Look at Rich Rod everywhere he's going, where the first year he has some good success and then it Michigan. everything changes. Brady Hoke. Brady Hoke. <laughs> well, you find out uh, how these guys are recruiting in, in, in yeah. a hurry. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny, too, because there's a, there's a lot of head coaching openings, and, and Florida just hired, hired Jim McElwain, mm-hmm. which I'm as a Florida fan, I'm surprisingly okay with because he was Alabama's offensive coordinator. Right. So I know as you see, it's not just some guy who had yeah. success at Colorado State and that's it. He he has recent, you know, it's like Auburn hiring Gus Malzahn. Mm-hmm. Uh, that worked out well. Um, <clears throat> Ole Miss hiring Hugh Freeze, same thing. I mean, it's working out well for them. Uh, you know, it's it's a it's a different animal, like you said, in different divisions. Buffalo, which is one of the bottom feeders of, of college football right now. Just hired Lance Leopold, who was the head coach for umpteen years at, uh, I think, Wisconsin-Whitewater in D3. Division three where, power, where, yeah, where, where the, they averaged like an 11-1 record every year. Yeah. They won a bunch of national titles. either them I mean, or like, Mount Union, pretty yeah. much. So, I mean, you know, it'll be interesting to see what he can do now that he has to recruit when, you know, D3, no scholarships. you got guys that are coming to that program because it's the best. Versus now, he's got to convince people to come to Buffalo where they're... <laughs> Not snows I, a lot. I we're mean, in Delaware. <laughs> do you like snow? Do you like getting pounded by yeah. major conference teams? Come to Buffalo. Come to Buffalo. Uh, not so a, not a good sell. Brian Kelly would be interesting. I, here's my thoughts on your five guys there from before. Eli shouldn't go anywhere, but now whether it's Ryan Nassib or whether it's somebody they draft in the next year or two, now is about the time you start looking to replace him. Eventually, I agree with looking that. for his eventual success. I agree with that. Yeah. Perry Fuel should have been fired weeks ago, and the fact that he hasn't been kind of speaks to me that maybe they're not sure about Coughlin because why fire a guy bringing an interim if you're thinking about firing the coach and you're going to scrap everything anyway? You might as well leave him there. They have no shot at the playoffs. Might as well leave him out there to die. Are they mathematically illiterate? I think they're close. I, I don't know what the sixth wild card is, but yeah. Anything they more have than, to be. Anything more than eight wins is eliminated because yeah. they're 3-9. Yeah. and nine. McAdoo gets a pass because it's his first year. Reese, you know my thoughts on Coughlin. Yeah. We discussed it last yeah. Reese is – I heard it last night on a program that a friend of ours hosts sometimes now. I don't think we're allowed to mention it by name. Um, I already did. But somebody – yeah, I know. Somebody said, you know, eventually this all falls on somebody. And the general manager has missed on picks and all that. But it's his job – it's Coughlin's job to coach the guys on the field and to get them ready for, to play. It's Jerry Reese's job to keep the cupboard stocked. And if you're used to making beef stew, if that cupboard is stocked with spam and you know turkey gravy packets, it's kind of tough to make a good beef stew every now and again, right? Oh, it was chicken salad last week. It's beef stew. Beef stew, <laughs> right? Yeah. But no, I mean, if that's if you're used no, to filet, right. if right. you're used to eating filet mignon, it kind of sucks when you're eating cube steak. And that's what the Giants roster looks like. It's there's no depth. There's special teamers playing starting linebacker, as you said. Yeah. There's an offensive line where Swiss cheese would be an insult to Swiss cheese if I called him that. There's all kinds of problems up and down the roster. Who 
whose fault is it? Not Tom Coughlin's fault. If if I gave you the players he's got and told you go coach him, you do the best you can. But if if you fail, it's not just your fault. It's the guy who gave you the crappy material to work with too, right? Yeah, it's pretty much Tom Coughlin sitting with Demi Moore uh, in the movie Ghost, molding that um, <laughs> clay into nonsense because they were getting all hot and heavy. That's pretty much what the Giants are. They're just if you they know, play Unchained Melody at the Meadowlands <laughs> in the next four weeks, I'm out. I'm out. Done. You know, but can't host a show if, anymore. If you mold that clay that is the Giants and put it into a kiln. You're not going to like the results coming out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, it's going to look like a giant lump of nothing. Yes. And that's what they are this year, unfortunately. And that's what they've been the past two years. And They are what we thought they were. Yeah, and injuries. I know everybody has them, but not everybody has dealt no. the same as the Giants the have secondary, the injuries. The secondary has been ravaged. And you mentioned right. that they have great defensive backs. They do. But they do. They Walter can't... Thurman the third is gone for the season. He was a big free agent pickup. Amukamara? Amukamara is gone with the bicep. DRC is not playing 100%. Mm-hmm. But still, that's not the problem yeah. in the defense. I it's know. the defensive line. I mean, when a quarterback has time for tea and crumpets, and, you know, and then Alfred could come in, the butler, and clean everything up and then ask him if he wants anything else. Oh, no, I'm good. And then still is able to complete a pass. Woodhouse? Yeah. Woodhouse? <laughs> I should have used that, but big Gotham guy, so I, I had to use Alfred there. You know what? You'll have, plenty of, you'll have plenty of time to speculate when the Giants are drafting a defensive end in the top seven. Instead of an offensive line. Yeah. yeah. Then you have to look and say, well, what are you doing, Jerry Reese? This is the big pro- – you know? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on. I can't because I just get so – I get so mad. I get so riled up. And to see my team just 3-9 and nine, after the 0-6 mm-hmm. start last year and now you're 3-9 and nine this year and the only teams you've beaten are teams that have losing record. It's – it's awful. Anyway. Well, the Nets hadn't beaten a team with a winning record until last until night. Last so night. things can change. Yes, they can. And they beat the Spurs, and they go for their first three-game winning streak tomorrow night, too. It's called a winning streak. How about it has that? happened before. But, you know, real quick on the Nets, before we mm. get to baseball, I heard this last night, and I don't think Greg Popovich would say this if he didn't mean it. After the game, he said to the beat reporters for the Nets, the Nets could be a beast. They're starting to buy into Lionel's <clears> system. <throat> yep. And they could be an absolute pain in the neck come the end of the year. Takes a while. We're twenty percent of the way through the season, so it takes a while. And after the Knicks game, which they almost blew with the big lead in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. you heard Brook Lopez said we stayed together, we had fun, we played together. Uh, the confidence was there before that game. Though Darren Williams said, you know, we're walking around like zombies. Nobody's having fun. Maybe the apocalypse has come to a close. Maybe they're no longer the Walking Dead. Maybe they're not. Maybe the Nets are going to start to turn things around. We'll see. Hey, you know what else happened yesterday in basketball? The Sixers won a game. I know. Are you happy? Even the sun shines on a dog's you-know-what someday, Billy <laughs> Ho. No, I'm, I'm a Knicks fan, so I, I wanted the Sixers really? to lose. Really? Yeah, I'm a Knicks fan. Uh, so the Sixers can lose. That's fine. And, and your boy Kelly Olynyk had 20-7 and seven from the Celtics boy, last night. Kelly Olynyk. FYI. Uh, <laughs> the second coming of, of uh, Tim Duncan. Adam Morrison. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, baseball. It's a sport. They play it on a field in the summer. It's good. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, Hot let's, dogs. Let's talk about it. Uh, first things first. Um, so the, with the Yankees and the Max Scherzer, John Harper – from the Daily News said the Yankees are not going to make a run. He spoke with an executive friendly with Brian Cashman. He wants to build from within, and Scherzer would require surrendering a first-round pick, and Cashman doesn't want to do that. They um, just did. Slade Heathcock got non-tendered yesterday, so they just surrendered a first-round pick from five years well, ago. Well, there you go. So 
first you know, round pick, please. You, you can't. You can't. Wow. That's like that would be seriously. I, I know baseball is a different animal than every other sport yeah. with the draft, even hockey. Surrendering a first-round pick, especially the one the Yankees would have, which is somewhere in the mid to high teens, depending on how many guys with qualifying offers get signed, it's like surrendering a sixth-round draft pick in the NFL. It's going to be three years before you see this guy, most yeah. likely. I mean, for every it's different with baseball. for every Michael Walker, there's a Brian Taylor. It is. I mean, come on. So you sign Scherzer, and maybe eight years later, <laughs> that pick that you yeah. surrendered is is doing something in the league. How did that fiftieth round pick uh, turn out? What's that guy's name? Oh, Mike Piazza. Yeah, how'd that guy turn out? He was he's sixty third, terrible. Whatever the hell round it was. Um, God, sorry. Yeah, it's all right. Uh, something that raised my eyebrow. George King from the Post. Um, he he threw this out there with David Robertson. You know, still dangling out there, and the winter meetings might change all of this, uh, but. Speaking of which, I'm going to check Twitter while you talk just okay. to make sure Andrew Miller is still on the yeah. market. Would the uh, would the Yankees trade for a closer? And the two guys that he brought up were Ciszek of the uh, Marlins and Craig Kimbrell of the Braves. Ciszek is uh, arbitration eligible, and Kimbrell still has three years and $34 million left on his contract. Uh, you know, the Yankees, if they get Andrew Miller or they bring Robertson back, they don't need a closer. Here's what they do need. They need a lockdown number one starter because as Lou and I talked about, they don't have that. They need a third baseman because Alex Rodriguez is not going to play 120 games at third base. He might not even play 100. 20, might, might, 20 might be a stretch. He might not even play 80. Yeah, we don't know what shape he's going to be in. Second base, Prado. Okay, whatever. He, he Prado gives them flexibility because they can go find flexibility. They can go find one or the other and put him at the other right. spot and still have Ref Snyder in waiting for second right. base. Correct. Shortstop right now it's Brennan Ryan. It's Brennan Ryan. He's a lot of fun to talk to. Uh, Give him that. You still need an arm in the bullpen. The Yankees ah, they need a lot. And you know I talk to my buddy all the time in the gym, Matt Perper. He's the hitting coach for Iona. And he says to me all the time, huge baseball guy, obviously. And he just went to Ohio State, Michigan at Ohio State. He said, huge sports fan, was the best sports experience he's ever had in his life. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Sent me a lot of videos and it's, pictures. Yeah. I, I, unbelievable. One of those games at either venue is, is a bucket list item for any like sports fan. Yeah. I so, yeah. But he about the baseball, you know, I'm talking to him about, you know, the rotation and what the Yankees need there and how CC and Tanaka are just mm-hmm. like question marks. You don't know what you're going to get. And Tanaka could throw a pitch in spring training or, you know, in May and be done mm-hmm. for a year and a half with his UCL. And he stopped me mid-sentence and he said, and which is very hard to do, <laughs> he says, well, wait a minute. The Yankees, their problem really wasn't pitching last year. No. It was, it was the bats. They need no. bats. <clears throat> yeah. And so I looked it up. They were 22nd in team batting with a 245 average and they were 24th in team on base with, it was 307. That is Idiots. Well, that's what happens when your number two hitter has a sub 300 on base percentage if you want to get back on the oh, why didn't Derek Jeter drop in the lineup train. That is hideous. Can we pile on Jeter now that he's retired? You, no. you can do whatever you, you want. You, no, you can't. Don't. Don't even try. But, see. You don't vote for him for the Hall of Fame. You don't deserve to vote. Yankee fans want to get their gotchis in a bunch over the rotation. <clears throat> there is so much more that this team needs. They need so much more. And 
the the Blue Jays bringing in Russell Russell Martin, excuse me, and the Red Sox bringing in Hanley Ramirez, and, and who else did they bring in? Pablo and, and Pablo Sandoval. Let them spend the money. Let them. Did the Yankees need a third baseman? Yes. Did they need to spend that much money on Pablo Sandoval? No, and they they might not be in the race for Chase Headley either. I mean, no. the Marlins are talking to him. It seems like maybe San he's Francisco, being on. Miami. So mm-hmm. you know, I got if, some I got some names for that, but we'll we'll finish the pitching. Yeah, if, if Chase Headley goes someplace else, then you really need a third. You really need to start thinking about a third baseman. Mm-hmm. And as Lou said, he has some names, but this team is just it, <laughs> everybody would. BM and C, that's blank, moan, and complain about Derek Jeter hitting into his umpteenth double play last year. How's your, uh, how's your beer going to go down when you look at shortstop and Jeter isn't there? I mean, not for nothing, but every year from the time he was 34 on, I had to hear every time he went down to Tampa how he lost range. Yeah. And every year, including last year, did he have the same range he had when he was 27? No. But I think for a 40-year-old, he covered short pretty yeah. damn well. And you know what? If Brendan Ryan took over at short, his numbers, his, his ceiling isn't very much different than what Derek Jeter gave you last year. So right. he's not Jeter, but offensively, he's not going to be that much of a drop-off. Right. Um, but, you know, the, the, the shortstop mm-hmm. position you're used to, batting over 300 and, you know, yeah. knocking in 80, yeah. 90 runs, that's gone. No, unless you go out and trade for Troy, Troy Tulowitzki, which would be... Basically, farm system suicide, I and think. injury waiting to happen. Uh, well, Everth Cabrera was non-tendered by the Padres. So, I mean, if you're into guys who were good before they got busted for doing drugs, <laughs> I mean, he's out there. But um, here's, here's the name I was going to mention. And I'll just say this about the closers. King's article aside, Kimbrell's got three years, $34 million in an option. He'd cost just as much to as trade Robertson. for as Robertson would to sign. Right. And he's going to cost you something in return. Right. Kishek's a little. Uh, Is it Kishek? I think Kishek, Sushet, whatever. whatever. Steve. Steve. Steve C. Uh, <laughs> Steve C. Steve C. From Miami, you're on the fan. Um, <laughs> he's arbitration eligible. He's going to make like seven million. So he's going to cost in like the mid twenties, high thirty, like yeah. to thirty. Why not just resign Robertson or, or go exactly. get Miller? Um, do, do, do you do you envision? Them getting Miller and bringing Robertson back too, or do you think if they no, get it's Miller, gonna one, it's going to be one out. or the other? Okay, it's going to be one or the other, and then they'll sign, you know, Jason Grilly or Luke Gregerson or one of those guys for like another. They just brought back Esmol Rogers, which right. confused a lot of people because even though they got him for less than a seven fifty k guarantee, they got him for less than they would have in arbitration. It's still like, where does this guy fit? But maybe the Yankees are thinking we go after a couple of depth pieces, we let Shane Green sit in the minors for a year. We let Esmo Rogers be our long guy. I mean, I don't know. You know, it's you never know what. And he can make spot starts too. And maybe that's an insurance <laughs> yeah. if you know Tanaka and yeah. Sabathia. There were nine guys fighting for five rotation spots last year, and only one of them actually finished, started, and finished the year in the rotation without going out of it. So there you go. Yeah. Um, Juan Francisco. Okay. Is is the name? Here's his. Here's his. Here's his cred. He was non-tendered by the Red Sox. They DFA'd him a while mm-hmm. while back once they signed Sandoval. Last year, he made $1.35 million. He was a Super 2. So he's got three arbitration-eligible years left. He's projected to make $2.2 million, according to MLB trade rumors. And they're usually pretty close on everybody. Mm-hmm. So if you figure three arb-eligible years, he has similar years as what he did. 
this guy will cost you seven to eight million dollars over the next three years as a backup. Last year he hit two twenty with sixteen homers in one hundred six games, two twenty seven with eighteen in one hundred twenty four games in two thousand thirteen. Uh, he's not the most uh, not the most adept at the on base percentage thing, <laughs> um, but he sl- he slugged four twenty two and then four fifty six the last two years. Strikes out a lot. But can play first base, can play third base, is a lefty. So 16 home runs in 106 games with the Blue Jays in Sky Dome, which is massive, versus 81 home games in Yankee Stadium. We talked about this last week with the sign a lefty, avoid guys getting the Yankee yeah. Stadium home runs. Mm-hmm. Much like people thought with Brian McCann, this guy could probably hit 30 home runs as an everyday player on the Yankees. He'd hit 220. But, you know, Mark Teixeira does that anyway, so it's really just the opposite. He's not really a great defender either, but he can play both. I mean, More flexibility, know, him, Prado. A couple million play, dollars, yeah. yeah you know, if, 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 they, if they fail to get Headley, you never know. Um, Gordon Beckham was non-tendered by the Angels, which is interesting because he's, he's always had that flashes of brilliance career. Mm-hmm. Can play second and third. Mm-hmm. Could be an interesting piece. Um John Mayberry was non-tendered. Also interesting if the Yankees were in that market for a guy who could also play the outfield backup right. first baseman. Doug uh, mentioned him a lot, and I did too last year when we were doing our possibilities of the trade deadline series as a guy who could be a fit. Um, Gabby Sanchez, Justin Smoke, although the Blue Jays re-signed Smoke. Sanchez, you know, Sanchez had one good year with the Marlins, kind of went to the Pirates, didn't do anything. But same thing, left-handed hitter, good defensive first baseman, could be a guy if they're not high on Kyle Roller. There's guys out there that they could slot in. And if you roll the dice with Prado at third and A-Rod as his backup, then there you go. You don't necessarily – I would love to see Chase Headley back in pinstripes, but you don't necessarily need him no, in that situation. You can, go, you can go another way. And Alex oh. Rodriguez is going to be DHing most yeah. of the time anyway. So. Also, the Braves non-tendered both Chris Medlin and Brandon Beachy, who I know have had multiple Tommy John surgeries, but – didn't Chris Medlin do something like, oh, go 12-3 and three with like a 2 ERA a couple years ago? <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> I mean, the Yankees signed Andrew Bailey. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? I mean, he was a rookie of the year, and look how, look how he fell. So you never know. But do you, you think they're, they're going to go bargain basement, or do you think they're going to, you know, all, all this news out there, they're, they're I don't not going to go after these big-time No, I don't necessarily starters. think bargain basement. I think Brandon McCarthy is a very real possibility. I think another guy of that ilk – a Jason Hamill type is a, is a okay. real possibility. And I'm thinking you, if you go for a guy like Medlin with the expectation that he's not going to help you much this year until midsummer, sign him to that Bailey deal one year with a second year option, you know, something low, you never know. I mean, could strike lightning in a bottle. It, he could tear his UCL for a third time too and be done, but low risk, low, low risk, high reward. It couldn't hoit. Um, Really quick, just want to get your thoughts on this. By the way, my uncle got yeah. my uncle said he got the Johnny Dangerously reference last week, so we know we have two. Oh, listeners. he did. Yeah, we have two <laughs> listeners now, so we know we have that. He's like, "Was I the uncle you were talking about?" I'm like, "Who else? I only have two. Fifty-fifty <laughs> shot." That's tremendous. Um, the Mariners get Nelson Cruz. <laughs> okay, so the potential lineup now. Now it helps. It helps, but. Are you scared of Seager, Cano, Cruz, Morrison, Zanino, Saunders, Ackley, and Miller? Not anymore because Saunders in Toronto now. Oh, so. Saunders is in Toronto. Yeah. But I'm scared of four-ninths of that. Uh, I'm scared that Kyle Seager hitting ahead of Cano and Cruz is going to hit 50 home runs hitting second because he's they're going to have to pitch to him. 
Uh, I'm scared of Cano because he's Cano. I'm scared of Cruz because he looks like he's legit, even with all the biogenesis stuff hanging over him. And quite frankly, I'm a little scared of Mike Zunino because he's powerful, even though he strikes out a lot and doesn't hit much. 199 last year. I know he has power, but eh. And I mean, Ajax is a decent table setter. Yeah. Yeah. And not to mention a rotation that has King Felix, Iwakuma. Oh, no. They just added Jay Happ. I'm not talking about the rotation. I'm not talking about the rotation. Taiwan Walker. But I'm talking about the lineup. I mean, it just it doesn't really strike fear into me. You know, right it's now. not that much different than the lineup they put out last year, and they were about 45 minutes away from a wild card berth. Yeah. So, all right, maybe you swayed me a little fair. bit. There. I mean, you know, yeah, stranger things have happened. The Yankees missed the playoffs two years in a row. Uh, really quick note: happy trails to uh, Tony Franklin. Uh, awful news in my. I mean, you got to do what you got to do, but I loved that guy when I covered when I went down. You know what? The, the Trenton there. Thunder made some front office changes as well, and there's a couple people that won't be there next year, and it's just not going to be the same without them. And Tony now adding on to that, and it's yeah. He was, he was he was a great dude to talk to and just sit down and pick his brain. You know? Yeah, and and he did. Yep. All he had to do was ask. Yep. And he did. He's a guy that's going to be missed. The Yankees had a very good at the top with him and Dave Miley. Um. So all week long, I've been on the Facebook, <laughs> I've been on the uh, Twitter, and I've been asking people to air the. It's Festivus all month long on the Chris Sheeran Show podcast. And we're airing our uh, grievances, Frank Costanza style, uh, with the uh, local teams or whatever team you want to air grievances about. It's festive as all month. Let me tell you what. If you still haven't pinned me on December 31st, I'm giving up because I, <laughs> I know how you are. So I'm yeah. just going to give up. Yeah. I, uh, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have a, a little pay-per-view of me wrestling Lou. It's <sighs> not going to go well for me. You do it right across the street in the, studio, the WWE studio over there. Get... <laughs> Get the, the Spanish announced team that's always – they do the NS Español show or the guys that come in and do all the uh, international shows, have them commentate. Yes, absolutely. Let's go through these. We okay. have to wrap this up. All right. Um, <clears throat> we have uh, four tweets in a, in a Facebook post that I've, I've called from the masses. First one comes from our good friend Baldini <clears throat> uh, who says – Oh, my God, where to begin with the Yankees? The wave, defensive indifference, fans booing pickoff moves, Joe Buck. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to add just one to that, and uh, he he knows this too. But throwing home run balls back, yeah. Moving on, uh, the wave. You know my thoughts on that. I think it's the stupidest thing ever. If you're that bored, uh, don't go. Yeah. Stay home. Yeah, it's it's it shouldn't. Defensive be. indifference is the uh, the clock play of baseball. It's like in the NFL right. where you know the team's going to clock it. Why not just run the clock off and call it a day? Uh-huh. Well, because they can't. Yeah. Defensive indifference is well, you wouldn't have stolen this base if the guy wasn't not caring. Right. Uh, or you and, had you had a seventy five percent chance of stealing yeah. the base. Yeah. yeah. You know, Alex Rodriguez stealing second base doesn't happen all that often unless it's defensive indifference. Fans doing pickoff moves after three or four, I'm okay with. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I don't know about you. Uh, the second one is from uh, from our, our me and Doug's old friend Sam Green, uh, okay. who won a contest. She won the Yankees fifty seven contest on oh, the nice. Yes Men. Yeah. Um, fans going crazy for routine fly balls. Watch the outfielders off the crack of the bat. I mean, sometimes I don't know. Sometimes you can tell, and I'm not going to get on a little kid for ooing and on, even a pop up. I mean, they don't they don't know. They don't they they can't put it together. But when the ball is hit, your eyes go right to the outfielders. Because that's how you know she's absolutely right. If you're if you're trained and you're astute in the baseball, you you know when a ball is heading out. 
Yeah, I I would tend to agree with that. Um, but again, I'm not going to get on people for it because you never know. Uh, we'll move over to the Giants now, your, your favorite whipping boys. Keep going. Uh, this one comes from uh, Joseph Rabeck on Twitter. I hope I said that right. Uh, my thoughts on the Giants. Fire Reese, trade Eli for high pick, save huge contract, rebuild both sides of the line. Did we cover that in the first 20 minutes of the show, you think? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I agree with part of that. I know you do. You could as well. My buddy Brett uh, DeFrancisco, uh, since the Giants season is a wash for the 2014 campaign, what preparations, acquisitions, and adjustments need to be made, we answer that too. So yep. I just wanted to mention his name, though. Yeah. Last one is from uh, another, another boy of yours, Brian Sanborn. Yes. This was on Twitter. And, and I mentioned that I can defend this. Yes, go. College football. Baylor beats TCU head-to-head. Same record. TCU is in the Final Four. Logic need not apply. Au contraire, my friend. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> because if we were going to base the entirety of the college football sham, excuse me, playoff, based on one head-to-head game, then West Virginia should be in there ahead of Baylor because that's who beat Baylor. Okay. Here is, here is my... Li- Here's my argument. I had the same argument with it with a good friend and fraternity brother of mine who's a Florida State Seminoles fan along with a fan of Chicago sports. I don't understand that one, but whatever. He grew up in the 80s. We'll give him a pass. How is the number four team the only undefeated in the country was his basic question. And, you know, he hates the SEC. I'm a Florida fan. We get into it all the time. Baylor beat TCU at home in a game that ended 61-58. to Do you think either team is really proud of that? I mean, let's be fair. Sixty-one to fifty-eight. It, I, I, you, I could have thought I was watching a whack game or a high school game. I mean, come on. You look at that head-to-head record. Baylor beat TCU. That's TCU's loss. Baylor's loss is to West Virginia, who's terrible. They're seven and five. They're not good. They just, you know, they, they lost a bad game. It happens. Had they not lost it, there'd be no contest. Baylor would be in the Final Four over TCU because. Well, they beat them, and you know they have a better record, a better strength of schedule, yada yada yada. They're one three in scoring offense. Baylor and TCU. Baylor's number one in scoring offense in the country. TCU's number three. Baylor's fortieth in defense. TCU's twenty six. So TCU has a better defense, not much worse of an offense. And if you look at their non conference schedule, because you can only play the teams ahead of you. TCU did beat West Virginia. They both played SMU. Baylor won forty six nothing at home. TCU won fifty six nothing at SMU. Use the use your own eyes theory that Jimbo Fisher is advocating. My eyes say TCU had a better performance in that game. They both clobbered an FCS team. Who cares? It's saying one team's good and one team's bad doesn't even bother. Their other non-conference game, Baylor beat the aforementioned earlier in the podcast Buffalo Bulls uh, at Buffalo. TCU clobbered Minnesota, who, by the way, was ranked last week. And almost was in the Big Ten championship game. You really put a lot of time into this. Didn't you? <laughs> well, I've had the, I, I had this art discussion already elsewhere okay. on Facebook, so All that's right. why I have. So, based on the use your own eyes theory of Jimbo Fisher, why wouldn't Baylor be ahead of TCU? Baylor beating TCU barely in a game they had to come from behind and win. That the first to sixty was the winner. You can't just use that as your sole piece of logic. I would love. To hear Brian debate you on this. I mean, that would be tremendous radio. Just because I, I've known him my entire life and the study hall sports conversations <laughs> we had were epic. Before the hashtag epic, they were epic. epic. Um, and he, he is such a great sports fan, so knowledgeable. And sometimes he does send things out 
just to push that push pin in a little but bit. But see, that's the kind of sports fan, like, <laughs> I am always up for a debate with a sports fan as long as it's A. Oh, and he would. Yep. Yeah, as would. long as it's A, intelligent, and B, about a topic that I can actually right. form an opinion on. I mean, right. you know, if you ask me about NASCAR, you know, Doug and I had this NASCAR versus wrestling thing on the S-Men. I don't really know much about it. I don't watch it. I don't follow it. I couldn't really have a great debate does on Doug it. Does Doug watch NASCAR? Doug does watch NASCAR. I do too. I, I, I mean, I watch it occasionally, but I, I'm not. It's not my thing. It's not my I, cup well, of tea. I, I think uh, his dad is a big yes. car guy. So. They're Dale Earnhardt guys. He has yeah. the yeah, sticker yeah, yeah. on his car. Um, I, I couldn't really debate you on the merits of the NASCAR outside of the drafting. Outside, <laughs> outside of the fact that I think their new playoff system is great. I think you know, just like golf, so I think it's great. Yeah. I couldn't really debate you. I couldn't really debate you on the on the greatness of curling, even though I tried it once and it's really hard. Curling, curling. But if it's something like this, I, I that I can have an intelligent discussion with you because I know enough about it to formulate an opinion more than just you know the basics. The that's fact, the kind of thing I love. No. I don't know who's calling me from Arizona, but I don't want to answer it. No. Um, Somebody from the Fall League. <laughs> it's Greg Bird on the line. <laughs> uh, he'll be on Hot Stove tonight. Watch that. It's a yeah. good interview with Meredith. That's that's called a plug, right? Yeah. Um, so anyway, the point being that if you look at it, yes, Baylor beat TCU head-to-head. But when you look at the breadth of everything, which is the point of the committee, mm-hmm. TCU might be a better team. But here, here would be my argument to that. And not to throw like a wrench into your whole College thought, football, like I said, it's a sham there. as it is. It's, no. It's, it's, it's all a sham. You're, you're right. And, and I think that's what ticks a lot of people off, especially like – the people who are rabid and really into it and actually went to these big schools, I didn't. I, I got to be yeah. honest with you. I, I don't get into big-time college football. Like I'll get into the championship games yeah. and we, big big games. Like I'll watch – if Michigan's good, I'll watch Michigan-Ohio State. I'll watch those games. My alma mater got I'm kicked not, out of the Big East because we weren't good enough for the worst major conference. <laughs> I, I'm serious. They were, they were kicked out of the Big East in 2004, uh, I, I think it was, yeah. because they sucked. Well, you should be kicked out. <laughs> yeah. Well, they went to the MAC. They had a couple good years, and now they're back in the Big East. Here, so there you go. The AAC. My thing is, if TCU lost to Baylor, you said sixty-one mm-hmm. fifty-eight. All right. But what, at what, Baylor, when you're dealing with that, in my eyes, you won the head-to-head. I don't care if you're a better team. I beat you. I understand do, that. Do you know what I'm saying? I understand that, and and I will never. I will never call someone if out. If you were the better team, why didn't you beat me? I would never call someone out for using that as their sole argument because it's the most valid one-trick pony argument you could make. We beat you. <laughs> you, you can't. <laughs> doesn't matter how hard you try. You can't invalidate that fact. Wow. Period. Well, uh, yeah. All right. You can't invalidate that fact. Period. But when you look at the whole depth of the situation, I give you an A plus. For then, the depth. then you I have do. to say TCU yeah. is a better team. You can't base it all on one game because. Florida State has struggled to beat Florida, Boston College. Notre Dame. Notre Dame was ranked number five at the time. Were they three and five? Is that what they were at the time? Or one and yes. three or something? Yeah, three and, and Notre five. Dame's won one game since. So, again, you can't necessarily take an early season loss right, versus but, a later season loss. Uh, but, you know, they struggled to beat Florida. They struggled to beat Boston College. They came from behind to beat, I think it was, I don't know if it was Virginia or whoever it was I, they played before that. Here's why I get so upset at college football. And, and I won't stay on my soapbox long because I'll be honest. I don't. I don't know. I don't understand why the first three or four weeks of the season, Alabama is playing teams like 
I don't know. I'm just throwing a name. Southwest out there. Arkansas AM. Yeah. Tech. Yeah. I, I just don't know why that happens. If Wofford. You, if you want a good college playoff, why don't these teams, regardless of conference, just play each other all year long? Yeah. Why don't we do that? Well, or just narrow it down and say, you know what, you have to be a conference champion to qualify for the playoff. Right. And and what about the, what about the teams that don't have a conference championship? So Florida State has to play in the ACC title game against Georgia Tech. Yeah. Okay. The Big Twelve is the only one of the Big Five that doesn't. Okay. So a Big Twelve team. Let's say a Big Twelve team is undefeated. Mm-hmm. Just give me one. Uh, let's go with TCU or Baylor. TCU depending or on, Baylor. Okay. Depending, yeah. TCU or Baylor is undefeated. They don't have a title game. Mm-hmm. Florida State has a title game against Georgia Tech. Florida State loses to Georgia Tech for their first loss. Does that mean TCU or Baylor is in over Florida State because they lost their title game? See, that's the stuff that gets into my head and rattles around, and it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. not – how do you do that? College football, again, until there's an equitable system of the way it's divided, there, it's gonna, you're going to have that problem. The Mountain West has a conference championship game. Look, Fresno State's in it, and they're 6-6, six and six, let's, but, you know, hey. let, Let's be honest. The Mountain West, the WAC, you know, they're not power conferences. Here's what you do. We know what the power conferences are. There's yeah. five, yeah. right? There's five of them. The top one gets a bye. The other four play each other. There's your college football playoff. No rankings, no experts, no 13 people locked in a room dis- deciding the fate of all this hard work yeah. that has been done by all these teams to kick somebody out in order to let somebody else in. Let the play on the field be the be-all, end-all when it comes down to it and, and when it comes down to somebody hoisting that trophy up at the end of the year. And until then, it's a sham. I agree with you 100%. I, I'm with you on that 100%. <clears throat> I, I don't understand why it's not, but... You know what? I don't make $37 million a year to be the SEC. I wish I so. did. You know, I never had that Division One like, latch on. Like, when I was younger, I was a Florida State fan because my aunt worked at Florida State. She had ties. So I just kind of latched mm-hmm. on to the Seminoles when they were wide right and losing to Miami every five seconds. My family lives in Gainesville or just outside of Gainesville. So there you go. So, yeah. so Florida. Yeah. I mean, uh, so – and I, I think to this day, that's why I, I don't get all giddy on Saturdays because I didn't have that experience. Maybe if I had that experience and I had some kind of a rivalry, mm-hmm. I could get into it. But I, I, you know, the breadth of my football experience in college was watching Michael Vick, watching Donovan McNabb, watching Santana Moss when he was playing for Miami, and you know the the stable of running backs and receivers they had come through there in the late nineties was watching. Well, Raheem Brock, I think, was the only guy on, on that, those Temple teams that did much of right. anything in the NFL. So that was my college football experience, watching these guys watching these guys that were to become future stars firsthand when they were playing for Syracuse, see, but, Virginia yeah. Tech, you got, Miami. You got to see them come through right. Temple because they were in the Big East. Right. I, I had William mm-hmm. Patterson. I had Montclair State. Mm-hmm. I had Glassboro I had, uh, is Rowan, right? I, yeah. I Glassboro had, State I had Bill Bolin's alma mater, Trenton State, which is now the College, college of New, New Jersey. Jersey come through town and you know you're not it's the college of new jersey the college of new jersey um no i i get i get exactly what you're saying and you know it's let me put it to you this way though again not i'm not in any way knocking my my college but let me put it to you this way basketball is one thing because temple was almost number one in the nation my sophomore year we beat michigan state temple was perennially beat michigan state at the apollo now the still the uh, yes yeah 
uh, at the Apollo of Temple, now known as the Leah Corps Center, right. on a last-second free throw by Pepe Sanchez. We're losing the whole game. They were number – I believe they were number three and Temple was number five. And uh-huh. we were losing the whole game from the opening bucket down. Pepe hits two free throws with a second and a half to go. We win the game. Amazing atmosphere. I messed up my knee badly running down the stairs <laughs> to storm the court. <laughs> but the point is, like, I had that experience with basketball. I would much rather have had your experience with football, even if it was D3, than uh-huh. watching Donovan McNabb throw five touchdown passes in the first half and then put his hat on. But at least you got to see you know? Donovan McNabb. <laughs> you know, you got yeah, to see Yeah, but I got to see him for 15 that... more years yeah. as the Eagles quarterback and, and t- two or three of those seasons up front and up close and personal at the vet while I was still in school. I'm sorry. I would I would much rather have had that experience. So I mean, no, I understand where you're coming from. But you know, and Temple, I mean, they just cut the baseball team because of you know a bunch of financial and, and a little bit of Title IX issues in there. And there's you know Bobby Higginson, Joe Kerrigan, John Marzano, other guys. You know, there's major leaguers that have come out of that program. I never went to see a single Temple baseball game because I don't get into college baseball. Period. Yeah, you know I, what I mean. So the I, same I, same I way. Can't get into college baseball. Either. I do now because part of my job is to well, know who yeah. these guys are when the Yankees draft them. Right. But, but let, it's let's a different be experience you're depending not, on where you go. You're not watching a game in January. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Chris Sheeran Show. We hope you enjoyed it as uh, listening to it as much as we enjoyed speaking into the microphones. Uh, anything else there, buddy? No. All right. That's it for Lou and me. Uh, we'll see you next week. Remember, it's Festivus. All month long on this show. So if you want to keep airing your grievances about your teams, just hit us up at Lou DePietro, yes, at Chris Sheeran, yes, on the Twitter, and find me on Facebook. Until next time, buckaroos, later. <laughs>